0: So I'm going to do the handheld because I want to show you my pretty earring. So I'm, I am Vane, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. I am Melissa, and I don't have a title, I'm just Melissa. <laughs> I do have a title, Daughter of God. That's my title. Oh, and God's favorite, yes, that's my other title. Ooh, even the babies cry out. <laughs> So a a few years ago, like in 2019 B.C., before COVID, I was in a class, and we were asked to do a prophetic exercise. It was a class at the church I was attending at the time, and we were asked, what is the Lord saying to you? What is the Lord calling you to do at this moment? And I, I remember that time so vividly i was sitting next to my friend Tina, and we just took a couple of minutes to let the Lord speak into our hearts. And this is what the Lord showed me. Am, am I going to have slides? The other one, yeah. This is what the Lord said to me. Carry my love. And that was it was so strong. It was such a strong impression. I remember just crying because the Lord's instructions to me, was simply carry my love. Now I had no idea what we were about to go through. That church that I was in was about to go through tremendous hurt. We were about to start the pandemic. We were about to see uh, racial unjust in our nation. We were, we were about to see Christians behave unchristlike. And in the middle, before it all began, God's instruction to me was, carry my love. And that propelled me throughout the pandemic, throughout 2020. That is when Embolden ministry really began to reach out into our community and to feed those who were were hungry and to feed those who, who didn't have. Because God said to me, carry my love. When Leah mentioned that we were doing a new series on um, Love Like Jesus, I was very excited. Because, you know, that's my jam. Love Like Jesus, I can teach on that. I love that topic. And I think she sensed my excitement. So she called me Tuesday and said, would you mind preaching? And she said that Josh had mentioned he wanted to preach on the prodigal son. And I was like, yes, I can teach on the prodigal son. I can teach on the love of the father that is shown in the prodigal son. Yes, let's do this. Yay. But God loves me. And as I am going through that, and as I'm preparing to teach on the love of the father, God said, I want to pivot a little bit here. Because you see, AC, after COVID, my heart had begun to get a little hardened. I was struggling this year. I have been struggling to love my students. We are ministering to someone. I told my friend Christina, who's here today. Hey, Christina. In the old days, they brought in um, mourners. So this morning, I brought in people to say amen. Right, Christina? Yeah. <laughs> so. So I was telling Christina the other day, one of the women that I'm ministering to, I'm having a hard time with her. She's, she's, can I just tell you, she's getting on my nerves. Okay, she's getting on my nerves. And I'm having a hard time loving her. I'm having a hard time loving my students this year. And so as I began to prepare for this message, the Lord said, okay, let's pivot a little bit. I don't want you to talk about the love of the Father. I want you to talk about the elder son. Because, you see, what God was after was my heart. I told you guys that I preach, I preach these sermons because I can't afford therapy, right? <laughs> so I like to work out my problems through, through sermons. <laughs> and so God, I, I want to invite you this morning into my therapy session with God. Because this is what God has had me to go through, the, and it's been hard. But let me just remind you love corrects, love teaches, love disciplines. And God loves him some Melissa. So he had to do some teaching and correcting and some discipline this week. So let's look at this. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what you're doing this morning. I thank you, Lord God, that you're, you are going to speak to our hearts. You're going to release some things. We're going to be delivered from some bondages this morning. Our hearts are going to be set free this morning to love like you. I thank you, Lord God, for what you will do and what you will say during this sermon this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I also don't know what I'm going to say, so you know anything is possible. Just hold on, okay? Let's start by reading and I I have this scripture up if you go to the next scripture But I don't have all the scriptures up So you're gonna need a Bible this morning or your Bible phone. We're gonna be in Matthew 15 Matthew 15, so I'm gonna give you a sec. I'm sorry not Matthew 15 Luke 15. Thank you. Austin is a pastor So he's here to correct me as well Luke 15 so We're going to read Luke 15, 1 and 2. Say amen when you're there. We're going to get there. Okay, we're all there? Okay, so Luke Luke 15, 1 and 2. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Let's stop right there for a moment. What was Jesus's crime? Loving people—that's what they were accusing him of. Of loving people who were who did not fit their model of what a good Jew should look like. That was Jesus's crime. It was the tradition of the Pharisees. They had this saying, and I, I I read this and I was like, man, this is harsh. They had a saying that said, "Let not a man associate with the wicked, not even." to bring him to the Torah. That was not biblical. That was a tradition. And they loved their traditions. Aren't you glad Jesus loves us more than tradition? Someone said once that tradition is just peer pressure from dead people. We are not. we cannot be pressured by the traditions of this world not even by the traditions of this church you know even as i was reading this i quoted a scripture that i could have sworn was a scripture because i'd heard it all my life and then i went to find the reference and to find out it is not even in the bible we've got to be careful of traditions that the church has brought in and 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 put them on the same pedestal of the word of god We have to be careful of our tradition. So this was a tradition. So in other words, what the Pharisees were saying, to sit at my table, you must look like me. You got to think like me. You got to live like me in order to sit at my table. Jesus came and Jesus was inclusive, and that bothered them. That upset him, his inclusivity. So Jesus gives three parables in response to this criticism. The first two, I'm just going to go over with you quickly. I'm going to summarize them. There was a a man, he had 100 sheep, lost one, left the 99, found the one, threw a party. (laughs) The next one, a woman had 10 coins. She lost one. She swept her house. She found the coins. She threw a party. I'm kind of thinking that maybe we're not throwing enough parties in the body of Christ. Because we are part, they were, Jesus said, we're going to party. So as we read the story, now this you're going to need your Bible for because I don't have the scriptures for uh, Luke 15, through 32. And as you are reading this story, I want you to keep in the back of your mind the Pharisees' complaint. Jesus was eating and drinking with sinners. Keep this in the back of your mind. Keep the thought in the back of your mind that they felt like if you were a sinner, you could not even be brought to the Torah. Keep that in the back of your mind as we're reading this. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of this state. So he divided his property between them. First mistake of the younger son, to ask for his inheritance. This was very, extremely disrespectful. It was like the son saying, Father, I wish you were dead so I can have my money. Extremely disrespectful disrespectful for the son to say that so when the Pharisees are hearing this they are like what kind of son would do this they're already done with the son because of what he just asked for but Jesus go on Jesus was a great storyteller not long after that the youngest son got together all he had set off for a distant country and then squandered his wealth in wild living so let's see the strikes against his son. He was disrespectful to his father. Then he wasted all of his money in wild living. He was immoral. The Pharisees would have had nothing to do with this young man. So he, and after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to sent him to to his fields to feed pigs. That's the last straw. Now he's unclean. Jesus made this young man odious in the Pharisees' eyes. There was no coming back from this. This was some of the worst things that anyone could do is what Jesus prescribed to this young man. The Pharisees at this point's heads probably were about to explode. They're wondering, what is he going to say next? Because he, you have to discipline this guy. The Pharisees probably, if that young man was standing before them, they would have stoned him because of how, how bad Jesus just made him sing. He longed to fill his stomach with the paws that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything to eat. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. I wonder what the Pharisees was thinking here. Did, he, did they think that Jesus would talk about how the father rebuked him? How, how the father corrected him? What would the father do in this case? But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. That word kissed here means kiss with a lot of little kisses. He just showed him affection. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring me the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. I wonder, is there just one fat calf? I mean, I was reading. I'll just there's only one. I don't know. Okay, let's have, let's have a feast and celebrate. Jesus is partying again, for the son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Hallelujah. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, "What was going on?" Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back in sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered him, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you, and you never disobeyed and never disobeyed your artist. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you killed the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you were always with me and have and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours, I know I like the way he turned that back. This brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And it's found. What a beautiful story. And we're all, uh, most of us are familiar with that story, yes? The, the father in the story, of course, represents the unfailing, unfathomable, extravagant love of the father. When, when Pastor Josh says we sh- want to love like Jesus, this is our example. We want to love like the father loved in this example. And if we're to do that, we're going to have to learn to love the sinner. We're going to have to learn the love, the unpleasant, those who irritate us, those who get on our nerves, those we disagree with, maybe even our in-laws. It's loving people while they still smell like sin. When that boy came home, he still had the smell of pigs on him. And his father didn't say to him, "Okay, now you need to go bathe. Get that pig smell off of you before I can kiss you." Yeah. He kissed him while he still smelled unclean. Can we love people that are unclean in our eyesight? Can we love them? Pastor Pastor Joyce talked about can we forgive? Can we bless? Look at the father's action. Look at what the father did. The father pursued. He embraced. He doted upon him. He forgave him. He restored him. He honored him. Oh, think about that. He honored him. He restored him. Can we do that with people who we don't like? I'm trying, (laughs) I'm trying. This is the father's love. And that's where I've been struggling. Let me just be, you know guys, I am so transparent up here. I have been struggling to love people like this lately. I've been struggling to love my students. After the pandemic, what they learned during the pandemic was to cheat. I have been struggling to love kids who cheat. I've been struggling with this woman who I feel like she's using the system and that she's greedy and she's ungrateful. But God said, minister to her. And so in this story, the elder brothers is the Pharisees, just with details. So when Jesus was telling, remember, he's telling the story to the Pharisees because they ask, why are you hanging out with sinners? In this story, the elder brother is the Pharisees. And I'm going to tell you, I have been acting like the older brother. So the father said, the heavenly father said to me, let's have a come to Jesus meeting. I said that in class one time the other day and my kids said that was offensive. I said, okay, well, let's have a come to Jesus meeting. Let's just <laughs> call it what you want. We need to have a come to Jesus meeting this morning. I didn't say that, but I should have, I would. They, did, they were offended by it though. Let's look at the three things. There's three lessons we're going to learn from the elder brother. Three things. Okay, you ready? The first thing the elder brother said was this. Lo, these many years I have been serving you. The version that we read said slaving before you. I have been serving you for three years. The elder brother forgot his why. Think about it, what the elder brother was doing was building his father's legacy, was building his father's kingdom. Who was gonna get that kingdom at the end? The elder brother was not a servant, he was an heir. He forgot who he was, he forgot his why. And when you forget your why, you, you can become resentful. When we forget our why, That which should bring us joy now becomes a burden. And that burden turns into resentment. And resentment turns into a lack of love. See, when you are resentful, you forget who you are. He forgot he was not a servant but an heir. When you are forgetful, you forget who God is. You see God as a taskmaster instead of a good father. When you are resentful, you don't see people. You forget who people are. Because you no longer see people with grace and mercy. You see them resentfully. When you forget who you are, when you forget your why, you become resentful. Those things that should bring you joy is now a burden. Walking in your gifts should not feel like servitude but it feels like servitude when we forget our why. Maybe that's why before commanding us to love one another, Jesus declared, you are no longer a servant, but you are what? You are a friend. We are co-laborers with Christ. But when we simply see ourselves as servants, we see we lose sight of our whys. I'm gonna speak to the moms in the room for a minute, the teachers, the nurses, the caregivers, the pastors. Because it is so easy for us to forget our why when people are making so many demands upon us. It is so easy as a pastor when that phone call rings, and Pastor Lee and Pastor Josh would never do this, but to delay answering the phone because you don't want to talk to that person because you forgot your why. They would never do this. (laughs) Whoops, I didn't mean to rat y'all. Pastor Josh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> your, off, your why is often tied to your gifting. I love better, believe it or not, I love better when I stand on this stage and preach. Why? Because that's my why. That's what God has called me to do. My why is to impact, impart, empower into the body of Christ. And when I am doing what God has called me to do, I love so much better. Your, your why is connected to your gifting. What is your gifting? Romans 12, 26, 12, 6 through 9 says this. Can you go to that one, please? Because I don't think I have that scripture. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing, what's, for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Yeah. <laughs> next one okay if your gift is serving others serve them well if you are a teacher teach well if your gift is to encourage others be encouraging it is give it is giving if it is giving give generously if God has given you leadership ability take the responsibility seriously and if you have a gift of showing kindness to others do it gladly why this seems like it's not connected but why go to the next screen Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. That's all in the same verse. I didn't skip any any verses there. That's all in the same. What is Paul saying to us? Carry his love with our gifts. The Bible says your gift opened doors for you. So when those doors open, you carry God's love in those doors where you go. If God has given you uh, a technical ability, you carry that love when you go to work in those technical fields. If God has called you to be a teacher, I carry the love of God every time. I try to anyway. I haven't been really good. But I carry the love of God into public schools. Take your gift, whatever your gift is, and carry the love of God with you. And when you are walking in your gifts, you will be fulfilled, and it won't feel like a burden. The elder son forgot his why, and he was bittered, embittered by it. Don't forget your why. Don't forget your why. There's always going to be parts of your um, service that you don't enjoy, but make sure you are doing more of the things you love, more of the reasons why than not. This, w- this semester has been hard for me. Because I forgot my why as a teacher. I've been so busy and so bogged down trying to get kids to stop kids from cheating. This is, I'm not joking about this. Trying to stop kids from cheating. That I don't have time to prepare a lesson. Because I'm trying to stop them from cheating. I have to make four different tests for every test. I have to make four different. One for each different period. The other day, I knew this young lady cheated. And she, it irritated me. I was just downright irritated that she cheated. She bumped her grade up. Because when you cheat, you steal, young people. When you cheat, you steal. Okay, so don't cheat. So I gave her a quiz, and I had a bunch of stuff to do. But I gave the quiz, and I sat right next to her. And she, she was so frustrated. She faked a panic attack. No kidding. <laughs> and I had no grace whatsoever for her. <laughs> And then I, I just ignored her as she faked this panic attack as she was taking her quiz. And I was like, okay, you're done. Give me the quiz. So that is not me. But that is who I have become because I forgot my why. My why is to love those kids to Jesus. That's my why. And I forgot my why. And Lord is speaking to me today and saying, don't forget your why, Melissa. Don't forget why I have you in the public school. Don't forget it. Walk in it. Embrace it. The rest of the stuff, I'll take care of it. Just do what I've called you to do. Carry my love. Don't forget you why. Number two. The brother said, I never transgress your, compa- your commandment at any time. That's what he said to the father. I never transgress your commandment at any time. Really? Never? Not once? Come on now. Do you really think he never disobeyed his father? Here's the second thing God told me. Remember, Melissa, you are the prodigal son. And I say to you today, my church, you too are the prodigal son. And some of you may be saying, you know, hey, I grew up in church. I got saved when I was a child, and I have never left. Praise the Lord. That's a wonderful testimony, prodigal son. (laughs) Some of you may be saying, you know, well, I did some things, Melissa, but that is me no more. Since I came to Christ, I have been holy. That is so wonderful, prodigal son. We are all. Not was, present tense. We are all the prodigal son. Did you realize, this is something I learned, that the word prodigal does not mean backslidden. The word prodigal means just someone who wastes um, extravagance, who wastes their wealth. That's what the word prodigal means. And my husband will tell you, that ain't me, because I'm a tightwad. (laughs) But I am still a prodigal son. It's not about being backslid. You know why I'm a prodigal son? Because I'm a recipient of grace and mercy. And every single morning, I am a recipient of grace every single day, even right now, even, even before service started. I leaned over and I said something to my friends who had come. And I was immediately convicted of what I said. I'm a prodigal son, but there is grace and mercy still upon me. There is grace and there is mercy. You see, we have to remember that it is by grace we are saved. It is not anything that we have done. It is the grace of God. We are all the younger son, all of us. And to love like Jesus, we must daily remind ourselves we need grace and mercy. Now, you guys know me. I am the first to tell you you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the first to tell you that you are holy and blameless in his sight. And by no means am I telling you or advising you to go home at night, think about all the horrible things you did, all the sins you committed during the day and then be thankful that you have grace. I am not telling you that because that is not scriptural. That's not scriptural. It's not biblical. The, the Bible says that your sins have been thrown into the sea. And Corey Ten Boone, I like what she adds. She says, and God puts a sign up that says no fishing. You can't go back and keep looking at what you did because you are safe. And I am not telling you to do that. I am just telling you to recognize that the grace of God, that all of us have what we have because of the grace of God alone. It is not because you earned it. It is not because you're good enough. It is because of the grace of God. It is not because I have not transgressed his commandments. I could not even get that statement out of my mouth. It is because of the grace of God. It is even by his grace... That we can live a holy life. Titus 2.11 says that it is the grace of God that teaches us to say no to holiness. We can't even live righteously without his grace. And when we lose sight of this, we become self-righteous. That younger son, that elder son was self-righteous. And self-righteous leads to being critical of others. And when we are critical of others, we begin to condemn others. And the Bible says, there is therefore what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay. And when we begin to condemn people, we cannot minister to people. If you're con- you can't minister people to people you are condemning. And there's no need for us to condemn anyone because all of us, In this room is a recipient of God's goodness and his mercy. I don't deserve to be here. God reminded me of something this week that I had thought about in forever. I don't think I've ever told anyone this story before. But when I was in middle school, I liked a boy. (laughs) But that boy liked drugs. And so, one day, I decided I was going to try some drugs. It's okay that the the story turns out well, so it's okay the little (laughs) ones are here. And the boy said to me, he said, you are one of those good girls. You can't do this because you have a future. This drug-headed boy told me this. Guys, don't you know that was God's grace and God's mercy that protected me? That, that, he was a, that little boy was my donkey in the story of Balaam. He was my donkey. He stopped me from doing something that was so incredibly stupid. It was by the grace of God. I don't know where I would have been if that young man hadn't said that to me that day. But God spoke to him, showed him my future, and stopped me from making the dumbest mistake of my entire life. That's only by God's grace, only by his mercy am I standing here today. It is by his grace, and I am forever grateful for that grace. And when I look at other people, so I'm looking at this woman who I feel like is cheating the church, and the Lord said, you need to extend some grace to her. You need to extend grace because you are not holy without me. You're not righteous without me. Without him, I need to extend grace. We are always the younger son. Don't forget that. Don't forget you are the product of grace. And I will tell you this. I would rather have grace than perfection. I would rather have his grace than to, to try to even say like that young man say, I have never transgressed his commandments. I have, did it this morning. Joshua said something earlier today that forgiveness is not easy. And it's not. But Colossians 3.13 tells us that we are to forgive as we are forgiven. That is the scripture. And most of the people that I have met when I'm counseling women and I I see that they're having a hard time forgiving, you know why? Most of the time it's because they don't understand the forgiveness that they have been given. And I would say to you, I would expand that, that scripture to say, extend grace as you have been extended grace as freely as God has forgiven you as freely as God has given you grace. We need to extend grace the exact same way. Remember you are the younger child, the younger son, always, always last thing. The elder child said to his father, you have never given me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But soon as this son of yours came, who had devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. The elder son forgot. He was a son. He forgot who he was. I want you to remember, boys and girls, you are sons. You are daughters. You are not slaves. You are sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, you have rights as sons and daughters. To love like Jesus, we must receive the love of the father like sons and daughters. I love, I mean, Josh said that that was in my notes too. He, he, Uh, uploaded my notes, so he knew that. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But last week, Josh said that in order to love like Jesus, we have to receive the love of the Father. I'm going to, and he said it again this morning, that's two times. I'm going to say it three times. In order to love like the Father, we have to love and receive the love like we are boys and girls. I know some of you are 30, some of you are 40, some of you are 60, and you think you're grown. That's what my parents used to say to me. You think you're grown, but you're just a little child. And that's what God is saying to you this morning. You think you're grown, but you're just a little child. Receive my love. When we try to love people out of our own goodness or out of our own strength, we can easily become like the elder brother. We need to be constantly infused with the love of the Father. We need a constant revelation of how much we are loved. David prayed this, I think I have that on there. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. We need to pray like David prayed. Every morning we need to just get up and say, Lord, show me your love for me. Give me a greater revelation. It is so vast and so wonderful that you will never understand it all. So every day we just need to dig in and say, God, give me more. Give me more revelation of how much you love me. Give me more revelation of how much of a a daughter I am. My father um, was born in 1917. I'm the youngest of a bunch of children. And... Uh, He was born in rural Mississippi in 1917. When he was young, his mom died. So my father never knew, like, the love of a mother. He never knew the softening love of a mother. And he was very critical. He was very critical of me. He was very critical of people. So I grew up trying to earn my father's love. My, my earthly father's love. And so that was the, the, the filter I saw my heavenly father. I saw my heavenly father as critical. I, I felt like I had to earn my heavenly father's love because I had to earn my earthly father's love. And so that was the filter that I grew up with, trying to earn the father's love. And I, you know, I went to church every Sunday. I was in, now, I'm not going to tell you what I did in between church, but I went to church every Sunday. I, I tithe, I gave my tithe, I read my Bible because I was trying to earn the Father's love. And it wasn't until I became an adult that I realized that God loved me unconditionally. And I don't have to earn his love. Let me tell you the problem with earning God's love. All those things I did were, were wonderful. I mean, I mean, I was a pastor's you know, dream. Come to church, tithe, do your Bible study. I was a pastor's dream. But the problem was I was doing all of this stuff out of fear, not out of love. And the problem with this, the problem with thinking you can earn the Father's love by being completely obedient is that if you can earn his love, then you can also lose it. Because if you don't keep it up, if you don't do everything right, then you stand a chance of losing the father's love. And we have to come to the re- the realization that we cannot earn the father's love. The younger brother had this mentality. He was trying to earn the father's love when he didn't know his father just loved him anyway. And I, don't, I mean, if you think about the, the elder brother's mentality, he had done everything he was supposed to do. And here come this younger brother who's been out and spent all of his parents' money. Now he's coming back and the father just instantly received him. I'd have been a little upset too. <laughs> if God's love is transactional, right? Because if I'm earning his love, then it becomes transactional. If God's love is transactional, then this story doesn't make sense. But God's love is not transactional. God, let me tell you something. We were put in the black with Jesus' death. If I had to think about everything I did wrong during the day, every day I would end up in the red. Every day I'd be in the red. And I love being in the black with Jesus. Because you know, Austin... (laughs) I'm not going to say it. (laughs) (laughs) We are daughters. We are sons. We don't have to earn the father's love. God's love is not transactional. And if God's love is transactional, then Jesus' work on the cross was for nothing, and God is cruel. I had a, a, a social studies teacher um, was complaining once about a religion, that I'm not going to tell you what their religion is, but you probably know when I describe it. She was complaining because in this religion you can travel to a certain place, and once you travel to that certain place, all of your sins are forgiven. And she was, she was appalled by that. And I was like, but as a Christian, don't we just have to ask? We don't have to travel anywhere. We don't take off from work. We don't have to spend money. We're just forgiven. She didn't understand the love of the father. She thought we it was transactional. There was a time when I, I think I've told the story before, but I'll tell it again and then we'll finish. Yeah. Um, my husband, who is we've been very blessed. My husband has never been unemployed since we've been married. And um they were going through something at his work, and there was a possibility that he might be unemployed, and I was fearful. And I began to ask the Lord to show me his love because the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. So I was fearful, so I began to ask the Lord to show me his love for me. And during that time, my students started writing me notes, thanking me, and in those notes were gift cards, teenagers was doing this. Why? Because the father was showing me he loved me. The father was showing me he's got my back, that he's going to take care of me. Boys and girls, you are sons and you are daughters. You don't have to worry about God's love for you. He loves you. It is not transactional. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. God loves you as his children. Jesus paid it all so that you can be seen as a child, as a son, as a daughter. The eldest child forgot this. So the, I want to just recap the three things that we've talked about this morning. these This is what God has been dealing with my heart and pouring out of me and showing me that I had developed a Pharisee's heart, the elder son's heart, because I forgot my why. Remember your why, boys and girls. Remember your gifting. Walk in what God has called you to walk in. Each of you have giftings. Each of you are called to love the Lord. Walk in your giftings. Remember your why. The second thing he told me is to remember that I am the younger child, that I need grace every single day. Every single day I need his grace. And the third thing is that I'm a daughter. I am loved by the father, not because I earned his love, not because I have to work for it. I am loved by the father simply because he is a father and he loves me. Those are the three things I need to just, you need to, we need to remember as we go out and love like Jesus. Carry his love into every place, all the places that you're going today. I want you to this week, all the place. You know, the Bible says that every place we step our foot is ours to have. Every place you step your foot this week is yours to love. Every place where you go today is yours to every place you go this week is yours to love people like Jesus loves you. I want you to receive this. I'm going to I'm going to pray over you. Yesterday, I went to a conference with my very good friend, and she told us the difference between a translation and a um, a paraphrase. So this is my paraphrase. This is my paraphrase, a paraphrase according to Melissa Bolden of the final thing the father said to the eldest child. I want to say it to you, okay? So I want you to just close your eyes. I want you to receive this, okay? Receive this. my son my daughter you are always with me i am always with you i will never leave you nor forsake you no one can snatch you out of my hands not even you everything i have is yours just ask For you are an heir and not a servant. You are my friend and not a slave. I am the father who has promised to supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. I am the loving father who did not spare my own son but gave him up for you. How will I not freely with him give you All things. I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. I have forgiven you. There is nothing standing between you and I. We are one. Now go. Go, my daughter. Go, my son, and carry my love into a dying world. Freely forgive as you've been forgiven. Freely extend grace. Love like Jesus love. Pursue those who are dead in me and bring them back to life. Celebrate my kindness. Throw a party and declare my grace and my mercy is available to all. Love my son. Love my daughter as I have loved you. Amen. Amen.